You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. All right, everybody, welcome to the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Scandariato with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a very special guest with us, Shannon Robinette. And uh, Shannon is the Chief Executive Officer at Phoenix Commercial Construction, the founder of Vertical Equity. And uh, Shannon's actually based in Treasure Valley out in uh, Idaho. Uh, he's been there for almost 40 years, and he's spent most of the time in the real estate industry, primarily as a builder and developer. Uh, but he's been involved from start to finish on over 200 million worth of construction projects covering uh, multifamily, office, uh, city halls, police stations, schools, industrial sto- storage, you name it. Um, but today we're going to focus on um, development in terms of the, the syndication model, which is not really that prevalent right now, um, at least from, from what I've seen. So he's, he's been able to, to uh, educate me and I'd love, love for him to educate our audience here. So I uh, want to give him a round of applause for coming on and really appreciate you coming on, Shannon. Hey, thank you, Anthony. I appreciate the opportunity. I look forward to the conversation. Sure. So you just want to, how'd you get started and why are you, do, you know, uh, choosing development syndications? It's very hard, in my opinion, to um, get involved in a syndication for development because it's not, it hasn't historically been that accessible to the general public. So I'd, I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. Well, you know, Anthony, uh, when people ask me how I got involved, uh, it started at a very young age uh, working for my dad, who was a, a, a builder, and my mother was a real estate agent. Uh, in fact, there's five generations of real estate in my family. And it was just all we ever did. Um, you know, I learned around the, the dinner table about uh, selling this property and doing a 1031. I think, I think I always grew up with the term 1031 floating around my house, you know, uh, <laughs> And so my upbringing uh, was very formative in what I did. And at 20 years old, uh, I was working on a job for my dad. We were building a warehouse uh, for a dollar store outfit. And my crane operator needed, was, was talking to me about needing some space and needing, you know, wanting to, a place to park all his cranes and an office. And, and I'd befriended the, the old lady and, and her uh, son next door. And, and as I got to learn that they wanted to sell their property, and it needed to be rezoned. And so it wasn't that I took my last $500. I took my only 500 bucks. I mean, y- y'all remember being that broke. And I wrote that earnest money check and I put that under contract and I got that place rezoned and I sold it to my crane operator without ever doing anything to it. And so that kind of, that started my progress of the building and the development side where you could develop a subdivision and sell the lots or you could develop a subdivision and build everything in it. And so I started taking that approach. And one thing led to another down life's road. Here we are. Um, we've completed 180 units of uh, brand new uh, garden style that um, we filled this last year. And we've got about 500 units in the pipeline uh, for this year. But what I saw was that, you know, I quickly outgrew my capital, my, my, my friends and family, my partners that I'd worked with, you know, raising, raising a million and a half dollars wasn't that big of a deal, two million bucks. But, you know, we've got a, a 
one going right now that's uh, the capital raise on its $9 million for a $45 million project. You know, that takes some doing and, and getting involved in the syndication model. If anything's new to me, it's the syndication itself, the model itself of how you break it down into $50,000 blocks or $100,000 blocks or that kind of a thing. But, but everything else, it, it, it fits very well for me. And so for me, I've kind of taken the approach that from, from a completely different direction, not that I, I can syndicate, therefore I multifamily, I multifamily, therefore I must syndicate to raise the funds. And so that's kind of how I wound up in the space I'm in. Very interesting. Very interesting story. Um, so can you, you kind of talk about a couple of the projects that you've done, like you mentioned the, the garden style. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we, uh, I, I bought a piece of ground. Um, we, we we rezoned it. We finished a subdivision on it. We did everything that was necessary there. We put in about 1200 feet of road, uh, curb gutter and sidewalk, and we built 180 units there and we filled those. And, you know, we were, I was using a property management company here in town. They were recommended and, and I just was very unhappy. And so I fired him. And I hired a guy here in town who I'd heard of him through his reputation and I hired him and we sat down and one of the things that we did, Anthony, was we really broke down our budget and put the property management on the developer's team. And what I mean by that is when we finished it, we had a brand new apartment complex and around us, there was about four other apartment complexes that were brand new also. Same you know, 180, 190, 240 units. They were all about the same size, all had about the same amenities. Some had this, some had that, you know, bigger pool, smaller clubhouse, more of this, you know. And we began to strategize. And what I decided, Anthony, was that I wanted my apartments to be three, uh, $35 a unit more. Because what we saw was in our marketplace, people were looking for what they wanted and $35 was not going to dissuade you from what you wanted. If it was, I don't know that I really wanted you as a tenant anyway, because you were going to leave me in a year anyway, when the next guy was offering you a $99 free month move in or whatever like that. And so by, by putting that $35 on there, we were able to raise the value of our project on a five and a five and a half cap by over a million and a half dollars, just in our lease up, right? It took us three months, three and a half months longer than we had anticipated, but our lease up value was phenomenal. We were about halfway through that when uh, uh, my property manager came to me and he says, hey, he says, I, I found another way for us to add another $35. And I think we're gonna call ours $35 property management or something, but, but, but it, we, we started providing cable and internet as a bulk and we were able to give everybody bigger, better, faster cable and internet packages than what they could get on their own and we were making $35 a door on it. So at the end of the day, we were able to take the time, fill it ourselves, and bring our value up about $3.5 million over what the appraised value was through our ancillary income. And from there, we, we, uh, I've, I've got contracts to build a couple hundred units for some other guys, but we've got one project that's 36 units that's ground up, so it's the same floor plan, same model as what we just finished. Um, and, uh, you know, for example, it's, uh, it's a uh, project that's going to cost about $5.5 million to build. The appraisal on it is $6.5 million. 
the capital raise on it's a million three, but when you get done, you've got uh, 36 brand new units. You don't have to worry about, are the air conditioners gonna go out? Is the hot water heater gonna fail? Do we have a, uh, a water main under the building from 100 years ago that's gonna break in the middle of the night one time? Or, you know, you don't have any of those things. And so one of the other things that we look at too, Anthony, is that in a lot of cases, most people in the value add model try to find a way to fit their growth people in with their, uh, with their coupon clippers or their mailbox money people and try to bunch everybody up into the same, same ball and go, okay, we're going to buy this apartment complex and we're going you know, to buy it at, at top of the market because we've got to take the other guy out. Then once we get it, we're going to spend some CapEx on it. We're going to add the value to it. We're going to force the appreciation in it. And if everything goes well, then we're going to see a return in 10 years. We're going to get to an 8% cash on cash return. But then from there, it's going to take 10 years for us to really harvest our money. And what I realized, Anthony, is that half your crowd wants the growth but doesn't want to wait. And the other half of the crowd doesn't really care about the growth. They'd rather have a 6% cash on cash return, but they'd like the money every month. And so one of the things that I've done with mine is I've taken and I've split my syndications in half because the growth is good enough because I'm not buying at the top of the market. I'm building my value, right? So if you look at it, we're going to come in at a $5.3 million total sticker price on a project that's got a that's got a CBRE appraised value, not mine, but a, but a national appraisal of six point four million dollars. There's plenty of money in there for everybody, so I can take just my growth people and say, "Hey, growth people, let's do twenty three percent this year. Let's build it in nine months because you can build things fairly quickly out here. We don't have a lot of regulation that stalls us for years and years to that. get a set of plans. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I got a, I got a set of building permit plans on a thirty six unit apartment complex in two months. Right. So we don't, we don't, I should move out there. (laughs) Well, there's lots of other reasons you ought to come check it out out here, Anthony, but it's true. But you know, so we'll build it in nine months. If it takes us three months, four months to stabilize in a year, we're there and we know what our sticker price is and we know that things are typically trading under market. The other thing to, to really focus on right now, Anthony, when you look at the world that we're sitting in with, with what coronavirus has done to everybody and, and we don't know, I think the biggest thing that scares everybody is that we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know, is this a good investment? It was a good investment three months ago. Is it not a good investment now? The news media scared the snot out of everybody about collecting rent. We have had no issues with collecting rent. We've had to talk more. We've sure. had to communicate more, but, but we haven't had to worry about that. So when you, when you look at that, you're taking the next six to nine months to build. You're coming out at the end of what everybody's going to figure out with coronavirus. In a year, everybody will know everything there needs to know about what happened. And we're going to be looking at a stabilized product in in an appraisal. As you know, our rents are untrended. So if we get the rent we were going to get in December, in, in February or March of next year, we're going to be dialed in. We're going to be hitting our numbers. So in that model, it's really easy. Then you take it from that model where you've got your growth, your people jumped into that. Usually those are a lot of uh, IRA builders, uh, people that want to really uh, take the, their deferred tax you know, revenues to the next level. We're getting 22, 24% returns on this, right? 
Then we come over and we move that to another group, which is essentially double syndicating it, right? We sell it from, from one of my syndications to another one of people who aren't, they don't want the growth. They're not, sure. they're not, in, they're not trying to make a million dollars in 10 years. They need to make this money now, pay the grocery bill, pay the light bill. So they're looking for that 7% return, 6% return with no problems. So sure. now they have a brand new building. They have brand new management. They've got every, they're not going to have any issues in the next 10 year life of this project. And so that's kind of something that's really, really unique about what I do. And I think it's, it's really been an interesting process because a lot of people, I mean, and then there, there's still the growth in 10 years, but you don't have the typical flat spot in it after you've spent your CapEx getting it to ramp back up to where it's really making you money. Sure. No, that makes, makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think, and this is more of a question. Do you think that it's because some of the numbers you threw out there that are a little astonishing to me um, just because maybe geographically the cost to build versus uh, I'm on the Northeast, um, you know, West coast essentially. So I just, just the cost to build is like, there's a substantial Delta between what you mentioned and um, what it is over in my neck of the woods. Right. Um, and I think what's really interesting, like you said, we're in the middle of coronavirus when we're recording this, um, the product that you're developing, it's still new. There ain't many other new developments coming up in the next year and you're, you're still going to be able to push your rents, which is, which is really interesting. At least, uh, I guess this is the question I do have is at least in some of the areas that I invest in and, and my partners, um, if a new development comes up compared to our product, our, like you said, the 1970s garden style, um, usually because the cost to build in the Northeast is so substantial, we're looking at a Delta of typically four to $500 in rent per month um, between new construction versus rehabbed value add 1970s product. So I, I, I think, I just love to hear more of your thoughts on that, uh, you know, more geographically, um, what's, well, what's been making more sense. Yeah, Anthony. And I think it has, I think if you look at it from a percentage factor, I think it's the same, right? So, so a typical, um, a typical two bedroom, two bath, uh, unit here, uh, goes anywhere from, uh, you know, 900 to 1300, 1400, right? Okay. Uh, so, so thirteen. We're getting thirteen ninety five in our brand new product. Nine hundred is going to get you the nineteen seventies product, right? Two bedroom, uh, two bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Two huh. parking spots. Uh, you know, granite countertops, uh, vinyl floors, nylon carpets, nine ceilings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the stuff, right? So when you look at it percentage wise, I think we're probably the same. Your delta and our delta percentage wise is, you know, it's probably somewhere between twenty and. 25% more rent for new, right? Um, but it also has a lot to do with, with marketing strategies. You know, I've watched a lot of property managers, um, you know, and, and coronavirus should be a very shining example of why your property manager uh, should manage your real estate portfolio like a stock portfolio, right? It, it needs to be in top shape any given day because you may not have known it six months ago, but you may need to sell today, 
right? And if you've done all the concessions that the, a normal property manager will do to get the bill, hey, Anthony, look, and I got your building full in record time. Yeah, you gave away two months rent to everybody. If I got to sell in the next year, I'm totaled, right? And so we do, we do a lot of things that are not typical in our market, but when you're trying to fill 180 units in kind of a short period of time, you need to do some things. And so instead of offering concessions, one of the things that we offer is short-term rents, right? So we will do a three-month rent. We will do a six-month lease. We will do a nine-month lease. That allows us to have turnover, not all at the same time, because we rent, like probably most people, we rent a majority of our units in May, June, July, August, and September, right? Sure. Nobody wants to have all those renewals come on at the same time because then you're fighting with everybody else. So if you can get some three-month rents in there, some six months, we even, uh, on this last complex, we spent about $15,000 buying furniture and we rented complete units, uh, furnished, furnished units, so that we had something for other people that maybe the other guys weren't that kept us, uh, kept us kind of in that sweet spot. But the other side of it is, is when you're, when you're putting on a brand new product, um, you're able, when you, and I'm, I'm not real, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not real familiar with your value add lending situations, but I know in, um, in new construction, when we typically bring on a nine month build, we've got an 18 month construction loan. And that's an interest only loan on about three and a half million of the five, five, four, okay, that we need. And we can be at 70% occupancy and be just fine. Pay all of our bills, pay our property management, right? So we have a choice to go 70% rents where we're competing head to head with your 1973, or we can take, stay at full price and only fill 70% of the units, but we can be more flexible, I believe, if we were both to have brought our product to market at the same time, we will have more flexibility, I believe, than a, than a value add, because when you bought that product, you paid very close to top of the market for the condition it was in. You know, the value add is usually that you're going to repaint, recarpet, rebrand, you know, modernize what's there. In the new, we've we've brought that to market, and now we're we're just we're, we're in the process of tenetizing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So uh, a question that I do have is for you, basically your business model, you mentioned that there's like almost two syndications going on. So once you get the building stabilized, you then go out and syndicate to basically people who are looking for passive income in a fixed coupon distribution style. Um, now, when you're done with the build, obviously you have to take out the construction loan, as you just mentioned. What do you usually do? Do you refinance out of that? And then you, yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we really treat it like a second syndication. So most of my, most of my people that are in uh, the, the, the growth fund, uh, they're there for the, for the, you know, mid twenties on their returns, but they know they're in it for a short period of time, 12, 12 months, maybe 18. I've got a 190 unit project. that's going to take 36 months. It pays a flat 18% for 36 months. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Sign me uh, up. Um, but then what's that? Sign me up. I'm going to send you the paperwork when we're done here. But the, but the reality is when, when you're done, 
you're then going out and you're getting a new appraisal and you're saying, hey, we beat the street, we got better rents, you know, we're, we're getting that done. Now I've got to raise the equity on that just like you would in your value add, right? So I got a six and a half million dollar appraisal. Uh, so I got a 6.7 purchase price because everything's selling for under appraisal. I got a six, seven purchase price. I got to bring in 20% equity on that. Uh, I'm staying in for 15% of the total cash brought in, right? And so then we know what our number is. We raise that and that's going into just a straight coupon model. And 36 months, 40, 48 months from now, we may refinance, but not likely. We're likely to lock in a long-term loan that's going to take us into a place where we're receiving, maybe it, it, will, it will not be an 8% pref. It'll be a seven, it'll be a six, um, but it'll be, it'll be locked in because there's no, there's no up cycle of buying this and changing it to that. It is strictly, here's the rents and they're only gonna go up, you know, and, it, and, and in the Northwest, in the Pacific Northwest, we've been seeing double digit rent appreciation so, you know, we're, we're projecting a 5% rent appreciation uh, when the last five years we've had double digits. And so we're still going to get some decent rent appreciation, sure. but it works more like an annuity at that point because we take the income that comes in, we pay the debt, we, we pay our investors, and that's how we divvy it up. So it's a, it's a really simple model at that point. Very interesting. Really interesting. So. Um, so I want to go back to the first project that you were talking about with the $35 um, upcharge, essentially. Um, what did you end up doing with that builder? I'm just curious. It was this, this we're, model. We're yeah. in the process. We're in the process of being, uh, of, of finaling the disposal on that. Um, that one, we, we didn't get to the syndication of it quick enough. Um, like I said, I'm fairly new to the syndication process. Um, but I'll give you, I'll tell you the truth. We, we, uh, we got a pre-construction appraisal on that in 2017 of, uh, 29 million and we're under contract at 38 and a half. So huh. some, some significant upside through things, but I mean, you know, 4 million of that was through accessory, uh, or ancillary rents, $35 for your cable, $35 per door more than the next guy. I mean, it's like, you know, my, my property manager knew that the, the easiest way to make me mad was to rent 11 units at the same price in one week, right? Because I knew there could be an escalation there and that $35 was what the whole model was built on. So, Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Eric. so we were able to do very well for ourselves and a couple of partners that were involved in that, but we did not get that one uh, into the syndication we, we, didn't, we didn't get far enough down the road with syndication to, to keep that one. Very interesting. So why, why have you pivoted towards the syndication model, at least recently? Well, Anthony, uh, you know, I, I believe the and I've said this for a long time, I believe the world's a pyramid. And not a pyramid scheme or not a multi-level marketing or anything like that. But I believe that if you go out there to find one guy with $10 million, you might find one, but for every one of him, there's 10 guys with a million dollars. And for every millionaire, there's 10 guys with $100,000. When you do the math, it is much easier to 
fund these things at $50,000 a whack than it is to try and find one guy. I mean, you know, the reality is that's why ground up syndication is not a thing. Uh, that's why there's not a lot of people being offered the opportunity. You know, the, the, the easiest equivalent for us in our area in the Pacific Northwest is fourplexes because one person can buy a fourplex. Uh, but the, the numbers on the fourplexes are in the, in the mid fours on your cap rates because it's available and the, it's not available and the demand is so high. So when I can produce 180 units or a 200 unit complex with professional grade amenities, with professional management, with a complete hands-off service that by the piece is going to be less to construct um, just because of its design, um, why wouldn't I offer that same sort of thing in, in a format that wasn't that different than a, than a community of fourplexes that have been individually sold off? Exactly. And, and, and there's so many benefits to the syndicated yeah. model in the respects that you just mentioned. It makes, makes so much sense. And especially if your niche is going to be new development and new construction, there's not many players that I'm aware of that, that specialize in that. So I think you're onto something. Well, the other thing too, Anthony, is everybody, <clears throat> everybody likes to have a, a mentor. Everybody likes to have a professional that's done this before. You know, there's very few people that want to hack this thing on their own and, and do it all by themselves. And, you know, with, with my resume in construction and development, I, I've got a very proven track record with, with building things, with stabilizing things. Uh, you know, we do a lot of industrial space where we, we build the subdivision out, we build the buildings out, we rent the buildings. As soon as they're rented, we sell them. You know, so we've done a lot of that for a long time. But, but being able to offer Mr. and Mrs. Johnson or, you know, some of the people that are in my, in my growth group, you know, they're, they're in their 30s. They're, they're making great money as doctors. They're making great money as attorneys. They want it to grow for their retirement but they don't have time to do all the work, all the research. And so being a part of a syndication is kind of like a book club. You know, it, it really is a right. place where you can get the information. You can be with like-minded people. And yet you're not the one that has to make the decision. Do we throw these deadbeats out? Do, are these guys getting tickets <laughs> for violating this? Do I get called at three o'clock in the morning when the water heater broke down? You know, none of this is your problem, but you get to drive by and point at it and go, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, yeah. I own a few of these doors. That's right. That's right. But which ones? I don't know. Maybe it's these ones. Maybe it's those ones. <laughs> no, it's definitely very interesting. Um, no, this is a great show, Shannon. And we're going to kind of wind it down just a little bit now. I usually like to ask a few questions towards the end of the show. With The first one being, you've been doing this for a very long time. Is there a book that you recommend um, whether it's real estate related or just business related that kind of helped you grow your business? Well, you know, one of the things I've always been as an avid reader and um, I think one of I, one of the book, the books you've always got to start with is, uh, is rich dad, poor dad, if you're getting into, into this kind of stuff. But the one I read re recently um, that I, that I really enjoyed was homeless to billionaire. Uh, hmm. And it's a story of a, of a, 
of a guy at 16 years old finds himself uh, a native of Europe in Thailand and through, through really great business practices built himself into being a billionaire. And it just shows that you can do anything in any language, especially if you're doing business the right way, if you're honoring yourself, if you're honoring others, uh, if you're conducting your business practices in an ethical way. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely a book I would recommend. Never heard of that. I'm definitely going to. Almost a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very yeah. cool. Um, has there, you mentioned, mentioned mentors. Has there been a mentor for you? You know, I grew up with two of them at the, at the dinner table, like I said, but, uh, you know, I have been very privileged in my life uh, to have had several really great mentors um, that have taken me along. And uh, one of them was a guy by the name of Mike Matzik, who built a lot of apartments. And he always used to tell me, you know, uh, this, uh, he would make you take him to lunch. If you wanted to talk with him, get some advice, he'd make you take you to lunch. And the first thing he said when his order came is he says, this advice is worth exactly what you paid for it. So, you know, it was a $9 burrito or whatever it was, but, but that was what the advice was worth. But the guy was invaluable to me just in helping me define, you know, character that you wanted to be identified with. Very interesting. And Shannon, do you have any hobbies outside of real estate? Uh, I'm a pilot and I have a flight school, uh, part tax write-off, uh, part part business, but it's it's definitely something that helps me unwind. There's nothing like being stressed out about what's going on at a macro level, jumping in a plane and cruising over everything and just kind of getting a getting a 10,000 foot view and really just relaxing. Really cool. I did my first helicopter ride uh, a couple months ago. Very, very. Helicopters fun. are a different thing. I don't know. Different thing. I don't know how much I trust them. <laughs> different thing. Very surreal experience. Nonetheless. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, when I'm in Idaho, I'll definitely stop by. Please do. Please um, do. So how can people find you, Shannon? Sure. Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is just shannonrobnet.com. Uh, I'm, I'm all the usual places. Facebook, Shannon Robnet Industries is our business page there, SRI. Uh, or you can follow me at uh, Shannon Ray Robnet on Instagram. Um, myverticalequity.com is where all of our syndications are placed. So if you want to look at our deals, go to myverticalequity.com. You fill out a, a profile because the SEC requires you to be to tell me you're an accredited investor before we can talk business. You fill that out and you can see our deals right there and it's a beautiful thing. So, but, but uh, yeah, shannonrobnet.com or myverticalequity.com. Great, Shannon. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put in the comments section a link to Shannon's website and LinkedIn and so on and so forth. So really appreciate you coming on again, Shannon. We'd love to have you come on again in the next six months to a year and this is Anthony it's been my pleasure past us and and uh, hope to see you again soon awesome thank you sir appreciate it thank you